Want to see what life is like inside the bottle? Jin's Playground has its own Facebook page. The link to join is listed in the podcast show notes, which can only be seen right here on mtgcast.com. Join today. If you have any doubts whatsoever, simply ask yourself. What would Snake Plus can do? You know, I don't know about you guys, but doesn't listening to this music make you feel like a futuristic, cold-blooded assassin sent back in time to take out some brutal dictator? You know, all the while some filthy hot alien cop is on your tail trying to arrest you for, I don't know, let's say committing intergalactic crimes against the laws of the space-time continuum. Sure. But all she really wants to do is jump you and create a new species. Okay, maybe listening to this music doesn't make you feel that way, but goddammit, I don't know how it doesn't. Welcome back one and all to episode 19 of Jin's Playground. We're the only magic podcast on the net that Lindsay Lohan listens to. It's true, she told me. She emailed me personally telling me how pissed she is that she's going to miss out on Gen Con. (sighs) Sweetie, that's what you get when you hire a lawyer that isn't named Johnny Cochran. To be fair, Mr. Cochran is dead, so I can't be too hard on her. Fair warning, you are in for what may be a toned-down version of the playground, as I am without an energy drink this go-around. That's right, I am San Red Bull, folks. In fact, I'm drinking beers tonight. A little Sam Adams Honey Porter, to be precise. So with that said, you must be 21 or older and have a valid state ID to listen to this podcast. You know, every once in a while, the Immortal One goes into chill mode and rolls a little more on the calmer side of things. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all about the metal. You know, that shit ain't ever gonna change. But every once in a while, you know, it's, it's time to come down and take a slow ride, you know what I mean? It's not a permanent change in programming, you know, just for this time, just for tonight. Yes, I'm aware I'm breaking with tradition. Yes, I know I'm tempting the fates and running the risk of this potentially being the worst podcast I've ever made. And just because we're taking it easy this episode doesn't mean that you're going to get off easy, though. we got a lot to go over. Time to lock yourselves in. You ready? You got your 9 milli? Got your eye patch on? If you're sitting comfortably, then I shall begin. So a couple of weeks back for the M11 pre-release, Front Range Magic flew Luis Scott Vargas out to Gunsling and mingle with our players here in Denver, and uh, I was lucky enough to hang out with him. You know, overall, really cool guy. You know, he seemed a, a little quiet and reserved at first, but... Uh, you know, then again, if if I were going to fly out to some city that I've I've never been to and 
hang out with a group of guys I've never met before, I'd probably feel a little quiet and reserved, too. But, uh, you know, that probably wouldn't last too long with me. You know, give me a little Rockstar Lemonade and Grey Goose and I'm going to be everybody's best friend. <laughs> uh, I guess it helped slightly that I was uh, buddies with some of his buddies. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it can be a little awkward. So my own buddies, uh, Rain, Tom, and I picked uh, Louise up from the airport. We got him checked into his hotel room, and uh, shortly afterwards, we rolled into Coors Field for some summer evening baseball, along with uh, some overpriced hot dogs and beer. And we had some terrific seats for the ball game, and neither Tom, Rain, nor Louise had ever gotten to experience Coors Field before, so it was a very, very cool thing. And, of course, we all talked a little magic. Uh, you know, I'll give him this much. You could really tell by the way he talked that Luis has a, a, a genuine passion for the game of magic. And when he talked, we listened. You know, part of me actually wanted to avoid magic as a topic and uh, attempt to get to know Luis a, a little bit better. Uh, I also knew that he was going to be playing some marathon magic that weekend, and uh, he was going to get asked about a bazillion magic questions nonstop by the players. So, you know, I tried to make this more of a relaxing day for LSV. And I couldn't help but to think that, you know, he must get quizzed a lot about magic. You know, I don't know about you guys, uh, but, you know, I like video games, you know. <laughs> I like movies, sports, music, food. You know, there, there are a lot of other interests that people have other than magic, and if I were to be asked about magic nonstop, I think in the end I'd be criminally insane. You know, this makes me think of something that I read recently. I wanted to talk about and expand upon something that uh, Kyle Boggins <coughs> recently touched on in his Star City Games column uh, regarding networking with pros and approaching them in a way that doesn't re reflect poorly on oneself. Now, we could just sum it up by simply saying, please don't go to a pro and hug his nuts. You know, they've got tidy whities doing that job for them. They don't need someone else lending a helping hand. You know, I've seen people do this before. You know, what they'll do is they, they stand around until they finally work up that nerve to go and talk to that pro that they read every week. And uh, what comes out of their mouth is, well, it turns out to be just a, a bunch of, of fanboy sunshine. And, and an awkward request to sign a playmat. Now, don't be embarrassed if some of you listening have done this before. It's not the worst thing you can do in this spot. In my opinion, the worst thing that you can do is ask for a list. And it's one thing to enjoy someone's articles and respect how a pro carries themselves. Uh, if autographs are your thing, fine. Weird and a little creepy, but fine. But when you ask them for a list... All of the cards are on the table now, you know? The pros know exactly where your ass is coming from. I relate this to a lot like asking someone smarter than you for their answers on a test. You know, it's literally their job to put in the time and work to craft these incredible concoctions, and all of a sudden, some random schmo wants a piece of their action. It's just wrong, no matter how you slice it. Now, Kyle uses a movie quote uh, from one of my favorite movies, Wall Street. If you're not on the inside, you're on the outside. 
Now, there was definitely a time in my life where I was on the outside, and a big part of me actually cared that I was on the outside. You know, I, I wanted to be on the inside, but never really knew how to go about it. You know, a few years had passed, uh, I became a superstar to my daughters, and slowly over time, I stopped caring that I was on the outside. And ironically, that's the very moment I became an insider, you know? Uh, better late than never, I guess. Uh, speaking of movies, uh, this reminds me of a scene from the movie Hoosiers. Awesome basketball movie, Gene Hackman, the late Dennis Hopper, great flick. Anyway, Gene, Gene Hackman plays this basketball coach of a small Indiana town who's told from Jump Street to not try and recruit this kid named Jimmy, who's kind of like the, the Larry Bird of high school students. He's just a badass. So he goes out to this basketball hoop where Jimmy is shooting hoops, and Jimmy is just on fire. You know, he's not missing a single shot. And Gene goes on to explain to him that uh, there was a time in his life when he coached college-level basketball that he would take every advantage available to him and do anything and everything in his power to win, you know, regardless of how others felt about it. You know, and then he recognized just how much talent Jimmy had. But then he, he said, knowing all of that, I can tell you this much right now, I don't give a good goddamn whether you play for me or not. Peace. And then just walked away. And after like 50 shots that, in a row that Jimmy made, uh, Jimmy misses one. And that's probably my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> Alright, I'm not totally sure how that relates to this topic, but <laughs> much like Gene Hackman, I guess I, I'd reached a point in my life where uh, I, I just stopped giving a damn, you know, whether these guys were pros or not, and I, I just tried to be myself, you know, for good or bad, take it or leave it, you know, this is me, this is who I am. Now, these pros are, are fantastic at magic, I mean, there's no denying it, but when you boil it down, they're just people, you know, they're just people like you and I. And I think it's infinitely more important to recognize people for their positive and sometimes negative character traits rather than their status in a gaming community. You know, so I, I, I began making friends with some of these pros, and I, uh, I felt and still feel that one should never, ever presume on that friendship. Um, let's, take, uh, let's take Conley Woods, for example. See, I dropped your name again, bitch. You owe me a Pepsi. Anyway, uh, C-Dub and I became friends, and, and at some point uh, a while back, I remember agonizing over what I should play at my next PTQ. You know, and he had said that he would ship me a brew that he was considering competing with the following week. And I think it was for a, a 5K. You know, it was then that I, I knew that the fanboy in me, if there ever was one, was officially dead. You know, I told him as a friend, look, man, I, I, I don't play magic for a living. You do. Go take that brew and go win a thousand bucks with it. You know, thanks for looking out, but, you know, I'll figure something out on my own for the PTQ. Because to me, I think it's, uh, I, I just think it's more important to be recognized as a friend first and a magic colleague second, if that makes sense. That, and if you know Conley, well... You know that his decks are preset to go one and two in most tournaments, so I figured I was doing myself a solid by politely, you know, declining his offer. Love your soul, brother. Ah, the life of a magic pro. 
You know, I I haven't given up on the the notion of one day possibly going pro. You know, otherwise, why else would I I play in the PTQs? You know, guys like Conley and and these other high level club level pros. You know, they find themselves traveling from destination to destination and. One thing I realized is that some players, even the ones who rarely qualify for big events from time to time, they tend to take for granted that they have left their bubble of familiarity and traveled to a different place. You know, Magic has really treated me right. You know, it's taken me to some pretty cool places. Looking back, I I know that I I took going to most of these places for granted. You know, and to some of you out there, uh, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's see if this sounds familiar. You know, you go to your airport, you hop on a flight to your destination, you land in some city you've never been to, and immediately hop into a taxi, you know, or maybe you get picked up by friends, and you go straight to the event site. No turns, no deviations, beeline to the event site. Perhaps you, you even have a room at the venue. You know, you go check in, you know, you flop on the bed, you know, to test its floppiness. You drop off your shit. Now what? Well, I guess it's time to go down to the event center because maybe there's a you know a draft you can get into, or maybe there's some last chance trials for buys that you want to play in. You know, maybe some singles that you need for your deck, or maybe you just want to go down there and bullshit with your compatriots. You know, you sleep that night, and then it's 16 straight hours of magic, and then if you're lucky. You can hit up a local restaurant with your buddies for some much-deserved food. Did you even see daylight on Saturday? But there's no rest for the wicked, because that night, you and your roomies have to stay up until 4 a.m. testing or for, for day two, or uh, building decks for the following day's PTQ. Rinse, repeat, and all of a sudden you realize that uh, you're on a plane home and you never got to visit the, the Statue of Liberty at Ellis Island, or visit the Lincoln Memorial, or check out the Space Needle. In fact, in a couple more minutes, you'll be landing safe and sound in your own hometown. You know, it's kind of sad that uh, you know magic has taken me to a bunch of places, but in, in, in some cases, I couldn't tell you anything about those places. So recently, in the last couple of years, again, better late than never, uh, I, I began making it a point to stop and take a look around. You know, in, in Kansas City, uh, I enjoyed some world-class barbecue. In San Jose, I got to visit the Bay 101 Poker Room. Uh, in Seattle, we ate at this restaurant next to a wharf. Uh, you know, we don't have wharfs here in Colorado. <laughs> so after dinner, I made it a point to go out and gaze out at the boats and the water, uh, knowing that it's, it's, it's not something that uh, I really get to see in everyday life. You know, in Chicago, uh, when I was out there for nationals, I went down to the hotel concierge uh, where I was staying and said, look, you know, my friends and I want to hit up a jazz club in downtown Chicago, and they slapped me with four tickets to get into this joint called Andy's. And we didn't have to pay cover, and we ate dinner and listened to a live jazz band. It was just, it was just incredible. And I'm not even a big jazz guy. And I'm convinced that had I not insisted that we go... Uh, my roomies and I would have just sat up in the room and tested the night away and not enjoyed the fact that we were we were in the windy fucking city. You know what I mean? So I guess if there is something to be learned here, it's not to take your situation for granted. You know, if you qualify for a pro tour and you get to fly out to Amsterdam 
or you save up some coin to fly out to a Grand Prix. You know, once you get out there, remember to stop and enjoy it. You've earned it. You know, take a little time to, to learn about where you're going and make the most out of the experience. You know, for those that say, well, I don't have all the time in the world while I'm out there, bullshit, make the time. I can understand and respect that you're, you're going to, to your destination to play balls-up magic, but you don't want to go home regretting that you, you didn't take more time to enjoy that experience of being in a cool and different town. Enjoy that moment. It's yours. Now, moving on to kind of a hot topic. Uh, this last weekend marked Grand Prix Columbus. Big legacy Grand Prix. You know, I had a bunch of friends out there competing, and it sounded like a hell of a time. Like 1,200 plus players slinging Force of Wills and Brainstorms. Now, something very interesting happened in the final round of the event between Craig Wesco and his opponent, Drew Levin. For the record, Wesco needed a tie or better to advance to the top eight, and Levin needed a win. Uh, they battled, and in the end, Levin bested Craig. After the match was in the books and the result slip got signed, uh, Drew was quoted as saying, I just won a 50-1 to 1 bet that I, I would make top eight. Uh, Wesco then went to a judge, letting them know that he heard this, and then the judges ruled that Levin had to be disqualified. So before I get too ahead of myself, let's take a look at the tournament floor rules when it comes to gambling at Magic events. 5.3, rule 5.3, wagering. Uh, tournament participants, tournament officials, and spectators may not wager, ante, or bet on any portion, including the outcome of a tournament, match, or game. You know, I'm not going to get into whether or not I, I think this is a good rule or a bad rule. Uh, it doesn't make a difference what I think. Uh, it is what it is. It's, it's one of the many rules of the game that we play. Now, I wasn't there to, to see what happened. All I can do, all any of us can do, is see what's on the surface based on the limited information that we have and what these two guys have to say. Now, as far as we know, the facts are this. Levin beat Wesco in the final round. After the match was over, Levin made a comment about winning a bet with some guy. Uh, Wesco was then compelled to call a judge, letting them know that Levin made a comment about winning a bet with some guy. In my humble opinion, this was a big joke. Uh, a comedy of errors that was probably fueled by emotions by both players as well as the DCI. That's right, I said the DCI. If these two players get the microscope, then I'll be damned if the DCI gets a hall pass here. So let's break this down. Alright, Wesco, knowing that he's just a, a tie away from Grand Prix Top 8, uh, was probably more than frustrated losing in the last round. You know, from the reports of, of people who were there, that was the case. And, you know, it, it's hard to blame him. You know, I don't. Uh, conversely, Levin was probably filled with euphoria, knowing that not only is he a lock for a, a Top 8 berth, but he's just cashed a 50-1 to 1 bet with between him and a buddy. You know, which, for all we know, could be a bullshit joke. And later on, Levin stated that it was exactly that. You know, when emotions are high, people say and do really stupid things. And when the blood has rushed to the head, you know, sometimes you can interpret things that are said in a wrong way. What's said and what's heard can often be two very different things, which also could have been the catalyst to some bad decision making. Now, I've read both Wesco's side of the story through his Facebook blog and Levin's side of the story through the Starkington Post, so I, I have a little background into what they say they were thinking and doing at the time. 
And make no mistake, uh, there, there's a lot of hugging and kissing going on in both blogs. And if you know me, I'm a pretty cynical dude. And that, I, you know, I see, I see past shit like this. So let's take a look at Levin for a moment. Uh, he essentially confirmed what I thought may have happened. You know, he got really excited and said something silly. But after reading his blog, it made me think that this 19-year-old has a very bright future in politics. You know, he knows good and well that he, he could be on the fringe of possibly breaking through to the, uh, to the next level as a player. And as such, he doesn't want to be responsible for causing a ruckus within the community or the judges. You know, it's pretty clear he's, he's saying things that people want to hear him say, hoping that he can smooth it over and, and look like a good guy in the end. Guess what, buddy? It's too late. You know, we're already talking about it. The forums are blowing up and down saying that he was a dumbass for saying what he said, which I don't necessarily agree with. You know, he mentioned that he, he didn't think Wesco went fishing. If he really felt that way, why mention it four times in his blog that he didn't think that he went fishing? You know, there's adding emphasis, and then there's protesting too much. You know, I wish this kid the best of luck in the future, but if you feel you are wronged, and you think that Wesco went fishing to advance his position in the tournament, or possibly get a match win reversal, just come out and say it, you know? I mean, if I were this Levin kid, I, I might write something a little different. You know, I don't know. If, if the community is already throwing me under the bus for something as trivial as this, I'd think I'd speak my piece without being so politically minded. You know, people as a whole are pretty stupid. And, and they are, are, they're going to trash your name regardless of what you do in this spot. So you might as well tell it like you feel it, you know? Uh, in my book, I'd rather be true to myself and be looked at as a villain by everyone uh, than to be dishonest with myself and look like a peach in everyone's eyes. Alright, now let's go over to Wesco. You know, emotion obviously played a part in his decision to go see a judge. You know, he says he, he wanted to protect himself, but, you know, I don't buy that. I think that he acted before really thinking this thing through. Because there were at least a uh, hundred different ways he could have handled this situation and chose the one where everyone involved lost out. You know, personally speaking, I, I probably wouldn't have given the comment much attention, to be honest. You know, I mean, so what if he made a bet between him and his friend? You know, how does that involve me? Who cares? I, I mean, it doesn't involve me. Or does it? The real question he should have asked himself prior to seeking out a judge with this information is this. Who gains from me doing this? The answer is clearly nobody. Sure, Wesco could have bumped up a couple notches in the standings, and maybe he made more money, but at what cost? If very little, if anything, were to be gained, then what truly compelled him to do this? Look, I, I like Wesco's articles on Star City Games. You know, I've never met the guy, um, but he's, he's friends with my friends. I also feel that he's a very intelligent person, which is why I think that he acted in the heat of the moment, you know, doing something that he felt was the right thing to do at the time. You know, later in his blog, he, he stated that he felt terrible and sick to his stomach afterwards. People react differently to all kinds of things, but I'll tell you this much, I, I would only feel terrible and sick to my stomach if I did something that I felt was 100% wrong. And I'm not going to be one of those sycophants that immediately jumps on Wesco's nuts, you know, assuring him that he, he did the right thing. 
Obviously, his friends and wannabe friends are going to side with him, right or wrong. And Wesco wanting to know from others if he did the right thing, looking for consolation, hoping, you know, that maybe if enough people tell him that he did the right thing, it would make it all better. But in the end, it, it doesn't make a lick of difference what we think. Only what he thinks is right. He's ultimately the one that has to live with the decisions that he makes, not us. And I see that Wesco posted a public apology to Levin on Star City Games, essentially stating that it was a momentary lapse in judgment based on a misunderstanding of the rules. You know, I'll give it to Craig that he apologized. Again, I, I don't know these guys well enough to call them bad guys, and a lot of people are quick to call these guys douches, and they're not. You know, they're just they're just guys that made made a mistake. Uh, I think that both are probably good guys, and they just made mistakes. The only thing we can hope for is that both guys involved learn from this thing. But as for the DCI, shame on you. DQing a guy for boasting about a phantom bet that he made? Excessive much? And some geniuses on the forums are trying to compare what Levin did with joking about a bomb in an airport. Are you fucking high? How is joking about a bomb in an airport anywhere in the same universe as a teenager joking about a bet that he made at a magic tournament? You know, even if this tournament bet had indeed taken place, nobody was in a position to artificially impact the results. You know, the match was over and in the books. It's not as if Wesco bet his buddies that Levin would beat him in the last round before the top eight cutoff. Absolute justice is not justice at all. The spirit of the DCI is to maintain the integrity of Magic the Gathering. Nobody's integrity was threatened by some teenage friends bantering about the improbability of top aiding. If his buddy had bet him a Qdoba burrito instead, would the judges have lowered the boom? If so, then there is no logic whatsoever found in the application of this rule. I think it's disgusting. I think it's bullshit. And I think the DCI absolutely made the wrong call here. Now, I can't confirm this completely, but I've got it from a good source that Hall of Famer Zvi Moshwitz delivered his own personal protest to the DQ at Columbus via Twitter, stating that he made a $10 bet with Wesco that he would make top eight in nationals. Well, according to how the rules are written, if they followed the letter of the law and delivered absolute justice as they did with Levin by DQing him, they can't let a Hall of Famer play at Nats. In fact, I think the rules state that the judges have to execute Zvi by boiling him in oil because of this infraction. My appreciation for Zvi has grown tenfold. Now, this whole thing could have been handled about a thousand times better and looked at this situation for what it truly is, a non-situation. Well, then again, that's why I'm, you know, I probably would make a very, very shitty magic judge. <laughs> because had Wesco and Levin come up to me with this situation uh, as a judge, I'd steer them away and tell them not to waste my time on non-issues. So uh, I know that my opinion might not be the most popular one, but I'd, uh, I'd like to hear from the rest of you and get your opinions on the matter. Ship the feedback in comment section, or if you, uh, if you want to get a hold of me directly, simply send me an email uh, at gintastic at gmail.com. Love to hear what you guys think of this mess. Alright, time for a little community calendar brought to you by frontrangemagic.com. If you're in the Denver area, check out frontrangemagic.com to see what cool events are in store for you. I ain't gonna lie, I'm still working on coming up with a good slogan for FRM. Frontrangemagic.com, suck one. Or how about frontrangemagic.com, where your deepest, darkest fantasies come to life. I don't know. I'll keep working on it. Less than two weeks away, August 14th, is the Front Range Magic Team Challenge 1K Cash Event. 
It's going to be held at the Holiday Inn in Denver. Uh, the address is 4849 Bannock Street. Uh, it's a little tricky to get there, but just plug in that address into your GPS navigators or Google Maps and you'll be okay. The format is standard. It's $20 to enter as a single competitor playing for the individual cash prize, or $25 to enter if you are on a team of four and you'd like to compete for both the team cash prize and the individual cash prize. You do not have to be on a team to participate. You know, this plays out very much like a normal Swiss-style tournament, except that you, you rarely see any intentional draws at the top table, as everyone that's on a team will be fighting for points until the very end. Last time I top-aided and my team placed first overall, and I'm definitely looking for a repeat. This is, in my opinion, one of the most fun tournaments of the year. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, this is also going to be an outstanding warm-up tournament to play in, considering the following weekend will be the Star City Games 5K Open, taking place on August 21st at the Crown Plaza Hotel off of I-70 and Chambers. This one's going to be very, very big. I will be there along with MTG Cast's Road Warrior Otwell, and who knows, we may even do an impromptu podcast from the event. You know, if I'm not too busy winning the thing. Jin's Playground Facebook page now has 101 fans. That's so awesome, guys. You know, I always joke that there's only like three people listening to this show. You know, two guys from Switzerland and the wife. But this tells me that there are definitely others out there listening, and uh, maybe I should keep making these podcasts. If you're listening right now and you're already on Facebook, swing on by, click on the like button, and who knows, maybe after this show we'll have 102 fans. Here's hoping. Want to support the show, make a statement, and look good doing it? Well, now you can. Get your Jin's Playground Tournament gear today. All you gotta do is visit the show notes, click on the link, swipe your card, and within moments, all of your dreams and aspirations will come true, and your wardrobe will officially be complete. Warning, though. Don't be surprised if people walk up to you thinking that you're a pimp. Or a hitman. Or just a pimp who's thinking about being a hitman. Bottom line, you'll dig it the most. What the? Who's knocking on my bottle? Why, it's the boys from Wizards of the Coast is high. What's up, man? What up, dog? Hey, guys, I'm really glad you guys stopped by. Hey, I believe some introductions are in order for my listeners here. What's up, listeners? The name's Roach. Roach? Cool, right on. And I'm Gigglepuss. Um... Pardon me, what uh, what was that name again? It's Gigglepuss. One more time, I uh, I didn't quite catch it. It's Gigglepuss. Oh, shut up, dude. Very funny. Ha ha ha. Laugh it up, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> A huge congrats goes out to Sam, the winner of the Gideon Jura sweepstakes. Sam is also a podcast host here on mtgcast.com called Raiders of Teferi's Puzzle Box. Congratulations again, Sam. Yo, Jen, I hear you were bashing on the DCI for making that DQ in Columbus, man. We here in Wizards look down on that, broha. Yeah, broha. Broha? What, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. 
Oh, no, no. I'm just saying that the DQ was harsh and uncalled for. You know, even judges make bad mistakes. Alright, well, everyone is entitled to their opinion. But just so you know, you attack one of us, we are going to circle the wagons, man. Oh, yeah. We put the wagons in this big circle and we we sit there in, in the circle because you, you might attack us. Dude, dude. The moment's passed, man. Oh. <laughs> well, it's good of you two to drop by. You know, I've, I've got to wrap this show up now, but uh, i got to ask before you leave, what are you guys brewing up for Scars of Mirrodin? Now, I know you guys got something special. You know, come on, give me a little sugar. All right, well, but we we got to make you sign this non-disclosure agreement that uh, you won't make any podcasts about some of these cards that we're... We're going to tell you. That's right. It's important that there's no tomfoolery. Hmm. Well, how about instead of signing the NDA, I just fly a pinky swear at you guys. Pinky swear good, GP? Oh, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Sweet. All right, well, as you know, Scars of Mirrodin is going to have a shit ton of artifacts in it. So we're going to reprint Tolarian Academy and Memory Jar just to watch everyone shit. This was my idea. You're welcome. Although there are some lamos in R&D that voted against it. So it's possible it might not make the final cut. We're going to fight to make it happen. I'm going to force those fools to comply. You're such a jackboot. Damn straight I'm a jackboot. <laughs> Alright, well, we, uh, we look forward to you high mofos bringing us some good stuff in Scars. Thanks for stopping by. Give it up for Roach and Gigglepuss, ladies and gentlemen. Wizards of the Coast is high. They like us. They really like us. Shut up, dude. Alright guys, it's about that time to close up shop and bid everyone safe and glorious travels. But before I do, I want to throw out a couple shouts to some people. A shout goes out to my fearsome foursome of the Front Range Magic Team Challenge 3. Alex Smith, Zach Willman, and Taylor Made Yelton. If we do this right, they'll write sonnets about us. There will be women, fortune and fame, and women. What we do at that team challenge will echo in eternity. Alright, you get the point. Time to lock it down, boys. A shout goes out to my boy Brian Gruy, who is uh, now one of the newest writers for Channel Fireball. Uh, he's uh, only done two articles thus far, but uh, both have been awesome. Uh, if you haven't read his stuff yet, be sure and roll on down there and uh, give him a read. He definitely knows of what he speaks. The man is a badass, and he has a charming smile. And one last shout goes out to longtime friend Paige Miller, who, after a small hiatus, has decided to pick up the cards again. She's going to be hitting the Star City Games 5K with Monster Truck Force, and I can honestly say I'm excited to see how she does. Alright, that about does it. Be sure to come say hi at the Star City Games 5K when it rolls through Denver. This is the Jin signing off saying... You're only as good as your last colonic. P.
Peace.